Monday, April 1st. I'm not fooling you. It is not April Fool's Day. <laughs> it's April Truth Day. April Non-Fool Day. Pal Radio Show. Monday, April 1st, 2019. No fooling. Gonna take you to schooling. Are we ready? We ready to rock? I think we are. Let's do the book of Esdras. I keep talking about it, so let's do it. Let me quit talking about it and start doing it. Huh? What about that? Yeah. So we're just going to go through the whole thing. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of stuff in here, and there's a lot of stuff that parallels uh, our Bible, our scriptures. And I remember Ezra's, Ezra's, sometimes called 2nd Ezra's, sometimes called 4th Ezra's. <clears throat> it is a uh, intertestamental book. I want to clarify something. You know, I've been talking about these ancient writings and stuff. I am not talking about Gnostic writings. I'm not talking about the uh, Nag Hammadi um, writings that the, were written in the uh, you know first century and stuff, the Gnosticism. I'm, writing, I'm talking about the ancient Jewish writings, the second uh, temple period. The first temple period was you know, King Solomon's temple, and after that was destroyed by the Babylons, the Babylons, the Babylonians. Um, and that was destroyed by uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And then you start the second temple period when that uh, portion of the temple was then rebuilt. There's a 400-year time frame there's a gap between the old and new testaments in our in our uh, scriptures but boy that wasn't silent there was a lot of stuff going on in those 400 years you have um, these incredible books uh, like the you know first second third and fourth maccabees incredible uh, you know historical books on what was going on books like this esdras things like that so that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking these ancient jewish Writings that talk about ancient Jewish thought that is uh, reflected in our New Testament, both by our, by our uh, Lord and by the apostles and the writers. Um, that's what I'm talking about. So you'll see that. So Ezra, Ezra was one of the captives taken into captivity around 586 B.C., by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And Israel was uh, basically destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Uh, Judah, the land of Judah was wiped out because of Israel's rebellion against God. And uh, so there was a remnant that was left. And after a period of uh, 70 years, as you all know, King Cyrus came from the Persians and allowed some of the Jews to go back to their land and rebuild. And when they started rebuilding the temple, you know, you have your second temple period. So Ezra was a priest. So that's the setting here. His writings, and you'll find interesting, now you got to remember his writings now are 400 years before Christ. So when he says things that Christ then reiterates, um, you know, we should stand up and listen because that's, pretty important. He was a prophet. He was a priest, but also a prophet. 
And we don't know real prophets of God today. We never have in our lifetime. You know, we uh, we have never seen these guys. And these guys were like the real deal. They really spoke in behalf of God. They were really called out for God. And I would think they were pretty scary guys, really, because they're talking in behalf of God. And um, But, you know, in our day, we haven't seen a real prophet. There is no, you know, we just have uh, people who may have a prophetic word or prophetic gift to something, but they're not really, you know, a prophet like like these guys were. It's pretty amazing stuff. There's a lot of stuff in this book that um, is, it's... It's different, you know. It's um, it is. You sometimes are kind of hard to explain, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's like I really, you know, I really don't know what to say about that. So when we get to those points, I'll tell you. You know, I don't know what he's talking about or how you, you know, make sense out of that. And there could be a lot of issues. Just it could be a cultural thing. We don't know, you know, the mindset the ancient Jew back then. It could be translation errors. It could be uh, corruption in the, the copy, in the text. There could be a lot of a lot of things. Or it could just be true. It could be fact, but we just don't see it yet because we don't have uh, those eyes to see or it hasn't been fulfilled yet. Okay, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll clarify those things when we get to that point because it's, it's pretty interesting. All right, so you want to get going? Yeah, let's get going here. Um uh, put my timer up here. See how much time we got. All right. This is called the uh Second Ezra's, also called Four Ezra. Okay. I'm gonna read now of the Encyclopedia of Lost and Rejected Scriptures, the Pseudopigrapha. Okay. Chapter one starts with the genealogy of Ezra. I'm not gonna read all the names. But it talks about all these different names where he come from. Suffice it to say that he ends his genealogy or he begins his genealogy with the son of Aaron of the tribe of Levi. So Ezra was a Levitical priest. He was called by God. The Levites were called to be the priest, the priesthood. Aaron being the first priest, the brother of Moses, and he traces his lineage back to Aaron. And Ezra says, uh, he's the son of Aaron of the tribe of Levi, who was a captive in the country of the Medes in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of the Persians. So this puts us in the second temple period when Israel was in Babylon. And at this point, see, the Medes had... Uh, came and took over Babylon at this point, and then the Persians are coming. They're all, they're all kind of related. It's, it's an interesting history with these kings and stuff. So he's, he's captive. And he says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and here's what God is saying to Ezra, go and declare to my people their evil deeds and to their children the iniquities which they have committed against me so that they may tell their children's children that the sins of their parents have increased in them. For they have forgotten me and have offered sacrifices to strange gods. So what he means there is he says, go and tell the people, Israel, that they're evil. And talk to their children 
because the iniquities which they have committed against me also so that these groups of people can tell their children's children, right? That the sins of their parents have increased in them. Okay, so they're not being punished because of the sins of the parents. The children and the children's children are also sinful. And they have forgotten God. So he says, they've forgotten me and have offered sacrifices to strange gods. This is always key. It's idolatry. And you know, you heard me talk over and over again about you know, no one has the big statue in their backyard and they don't go outside and bow their knee to Baal or the, you know, or Molech or whatever. The the idolatry is in your heart. It's the things you put before God, no matter what what that is. You know, your husband, your wife, your kids, your job, your your church, your organization, whatever you put before God. And sometimes it can be very hard to dis- discern these things because you think you're doing the right thing. You know, you're, you think you're doing God's work, but it's really um, has become adultery to you. So we've got to be very careful. Read, um, get our paperback, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies. In the paperback of that book, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies, about the enemy in the church, I had combined uh, another book that I had written before called Idolicide, The Killing of Idols. And it goes through all of this about um, idolatry and, you know, what may be in your life that you don't recognize. Okay? It goes, it's a systematic approach. It's all in that book. Eyes to See Unseen Enemies, available on Amazon, digital retailers, and all that stuff. So here we have God talking about Israel offering sacrifice to strange gods. And he continues and he says, was it not I who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, but they have angered me and despised my counsels? Pull out the hair of your head and hurl all evils upon them, for they have not obeyed my law. They are a rebellious people. Well, that verse there, that's not something we're familiar with, pulling out, you know, a prophet pulling out the hair of his head and hurling evils upon them. It sounds like a curse. It sounds like God is telling uh, Ezra to curse them, to pull out his hair and hurl evils upon them. Why? Because they have not obeyed the law. They're rebellious people. Um, the clappy, happy God that's presented oftentimes in our modern-day Christianity is simply not uh, the truth. Uh, God is a righteous God. He's merciful, but he's righteous and he's holy. And he's going to expect holiness from his people, whether they be uh, Israel or they be us, the called out ones, the true ecclesia, the true church. Okay, holiness. Um, you've heard us talk about it over and over again. This is God. This is the real God, the real God of the scriptures. How long shall I endure them on whom I have bestowed such great benefits? For their sake, I have overthrown many kings. I struck down Pharaoh with his servants and all his army. I have destroyed all nations before them. I have scattered in the east the people of two provinces, Tyre and Sidon. I have slain all their enemies. But speak to them and say, thus says the Lord. Surely it was I who brought you from the sea or through the sea. I made safe highways for you where there was no road. I gave you Moses as leader and Aaron as priest. I provided light for you from a pillar of fire. I did great wonders among you. 
yet you have forgotten me, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord Almighty, the quails were assigned to you. I gave you camps for your protection. And in them you complained. You have not exalted in my name at the destruction of your enemies. But to this day, you still complain. Uh, Let me stop here. You see, Israel saw the miracles of God. You and I have not seen anything like this. You and I have not seen pillars of fire by day guiding us, you know, uh, I mean by night (laughs) guiding us or, uh, you know, pillar of smoke guiding us by the day. We have not had our Red Sea parted in front of us. We have not seen our enemies destroyed among us. And yet we still believe. And God counts that as righteousness. That goes back to Abraham. To believe without seeing, you know. Um, even Christ said, you know, it is a, a wicked and adulterous generation who seeks a sign all the time. Um, so without seeing we believe because God has put that measure of faith in our heart. But these folks here, they saw all this stuff and they still complained and didn't believe. It was a whole different thing. And in verse 16, he says, um, I'm sorry, uh, verse 17, he says, where are the benefits which I bestowed on you? When you were hungry and thirsty in the wilderness, did you not cry out to me? Saying, why hast thou led us into the wilderness to kill us? would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I pitied your groanings and I gave you manna for food. You ate the bread of angels. When you were thirsty, did I not cleave the rock so that waters flowed in abundance? Because of the heat, I covered you with the leaves of trees. I divided fertile lands among you. I drove out the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Philistines before you. What more can I do for you, says the Lord? Thus says the Lord Almighty, when you were in the wilderness at the bitter stream, thirsty and blaspheming my name, I did not send fire upon you for your blasphemies, but threw a tree into the water and made the stream sweet. So, you know, God is, God is really reiterating his mercy, his great love and his mercy and long suffering for a people that continue to reject his word from the beginning, and continued to complain and murmur and blaspheme his name. And, um, you know, he, he he's always had a plan to bring Messiah, and Messiah was to come through, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But he put up with a lot of stuff. He, he still puts up with a lot of stuff from us. God is merciful. But um, don't, don't take that as a sign of weakness or that he's looking the other way or that it's okay because punishment will come if you disobey these laws, you know, and go and serve other idols. Verse 24, Ezra continues, God continues in Ezra saying, what shall I do to you, O Jacob? You would not obey me, O Judah. I will turn to other nations and will give them my name that they may keep my statutes. And that's us. Now that might sound familiar because that's very New Testament writing. That's uh, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And we read that in the New Testament. Uh, we read that in the second uh, chapter of Acts. We read that uh, when, uh, also when Peter, you know, was up in the rooftop and he was hungry and he saw in a vision, you know, the food and I'm not going to eat this, it's unclean. And you know the story, you know, don't, don't call what I made clean unclean. 
And then he sends them to a Gentile to preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of Jesus and that the household of Cornelius was then saved. So he called the Gentiles, the, the nations, he called you and I to give us his name that we could keep his statutes because Israel would not obey them, right? So I was talking about earlier. We believe even though we haven't seen what they have seen. Verse 25, because you have forsaken me, I will also forsake you. When you beg mercy of me, I will show you no mercy. So this is an important sentence because that's, this applies to us. Just because Israel disobeyed God and they wouldn't keep the statutes, don't think that, well, because we're grafted in and we're Christians and we're, you know, we're under the blood of Christ now, we can do no wrong because that's not the case. God's law is the God's law. God's mercy is God's mercy. God's holiness is still God's holiness, right? We don't ever want to be in the point where we're begging for mercy and God's not going to show us any mercy, you know, or that he's going to forsake us because we have forsaken him. We don't want to ever, ever be in that situation. So whatever sin is in your life, you keep doing or idols in your life that are put before God, that has to be dealt with now, right now. Okay, not later, right now. God says, when you call upon me, I will not listen to you, for you have defiled your hands with blood and your feet are swift to commit murder. You know, that's, that's you know, these are idiosyncrasies for just, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like all these companies around us and people around us that are just always trying to rip you off and kill you and, um, you know, <laughs> contaminate your food and GMO and, you know, on and on and on. Uh, injustices everywhere around you. Hands with blood, feet commit murder. It is not as though you had forsaken me. You have forsaken yourselves, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord Almighty, have I not entreated you as a father entreats his sons or a mother her daughters or a nurse her children? Think about that, what God is saying. Have I not entreated you as a father entreats his sons? Right? Or a mother treats her daughters, or a nurse her children. See, there's care there, there's compassion, there's love. And God says that you should be my people, and I should be your God, and that you should be my sons, and I should be your father. Now listen to this. Now remember, this was written 400 years before Christ came on scene. 400 years. This is God talking through Ezra. And then I'm going to take you to the New Testament and read what God made flesh then said 400 years later. Verse 30 says, I gathered you, I gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But now what shall I do to you? I cast you from my presence. When you offer oblations to me, I will turn my face from you. For I have rejected your feast days, your new moons, your circumcisions of the flesh. I sent to you my servants, the prophets, but you have taken and slain them and torn their bodies in pieces. Their blood I will require of you, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord Almighty, your house is desolate. 
I will drive you out as the wind drives straw, and your sons will have no children, because with you they have neglected my commandment and have done what is evil in my sight. I will give your houses to a people that will come, who without having heard me will believe. Those to whom I have shown no signs will do what I have commanded. They have seen no prophets, yet they will recall their former state. Amen? So let's look at that. First he says, I had gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Then he says, now what am I going to do? I've rejected all your, your false religion because you're just lying. So I'm going to turn from you. And he says, um, I sent you people to warn you. And then all you do is kill them. You tear them apart. And I'm going to require their blood at your hands. I'm going to require that. Your, your meanness. <laughs> your meanness. I'm going, to re- I'm going to judge you on that. And he says, your house is desolate. I'm going to drive you like the wind drives straw. Your sons will have no children. They've neglected my commandment, right? So let's look and see. There's a lot of scriptures that go with that, but let's look at, let's go to Matthew uh, 23, verse 37. This is Jesus talking to Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets. That's, That's exactly what was said 400 years ago who kills the prophets and stones though who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. Wow. That sounds just like what we just read that was written, and it's true. It was written 400 years before Christ was on the scene. Do you think they they both just kind of made this up? Do you think Ezra just kind of made this up out of his head or some unknown author pretending he was Ezra and he was pretending God was talking through him because it's pseudepigrapha and he just wrote this, you know, for giggles and then Jesus just, you know, pulls a miracle, you know, pulls another miracle and says the exact same thing 400 years later. You know, it's not coincidental, you see, because it's the same spirit that authored Second Ezra, Fourth Ezra, Second Ezra's. It's the same spirit that's authoring authoring Matthew. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that's authoring both. It's the Word of God. I hope you can see that. Jesus says the same thing, and it's in context. It's not just the hen gathering their children. It's in context of them killing the prophets and rejecting God. They were unwilling. And in verse 38, Jesus says, Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. It's the exact same words that Ezra used 400 years ago. Yeah. And he says, For I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Same thing, folks. Same thing. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. And it says because they've done evil in God's sight, they're going to be desolate. But God says in verse 35 back in Ezra, Ezra's, 
I will give your houses to a people that will come. That's you and I, who without um, having heard me will believe. Those to whom I have shown no signs will do what I have commanded. That's you and me. They have no prophets, yet they will call their former state. We, we, we had no man of God, no prophet come to us and uh, pull his hair out and, you know, hurl evil upon us and say, hey, repent, you know. Uh, we repented because God put something in our heart. This, the Holy Spirit drew us to that repentance and drew us to him because we knew there was another way. There had to be another way out of this uh, system. Verse 37, God says, I call to witness the gratitude of the people that is to come. That's you and me, whose children rejoice with gladness. Though they do, though they do not see me with bodily eyes. No, we haven't seen God, have we? With the spirit, they will believe the things I have said, right? We do that. We read the word. We, we hear the, the word of God being preached. We, God speaks to us and we, we believe. We believe that because God said it. We believe it. And now, Father, look with pride and see the people coming from the east. To them I will give as leaders Abraham Isaac and Jacob and Hosea and Amos and Micah and Joel and Obadiah and Jonah and Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi, who was also called the messenger of the Lord. So the people that are to come, that's you and I, don't have a prophet, but God says, look, they're going to come and I'm going to give them these leaders. These are the things that are written in, God, uh, in the word of God. That's for our benefit to study these prophets for our benefit. So look at start chapter two. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back and we'll start chapter two and get through uh, these two at least. It's gonna be pretty interesting. How many of you remember the story contained in the book of Acts chapter 19 where there were seven sons of Sceva and they were trying to cast out a demon because they saw the Apostle Paul doing great miracles through God. So they tried to do the same thing. So they go up to this guy who's demon-possessed, and they say, we adjure you by this Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Yeah, and guess what the evil spirit did? The evil spirit answered them and said to them, hey, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And guess what? The man that had the demons jumped on him beat the heck out of them, subdued them, overpowered them, and they literally fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. Guess why? Guess why? Because they did not go to Amazon.com and buy Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare. The book is not about you being married or single. The book is about dealing with demonic forces, and you need to know how to do that today more than you ever have for your own life and for those around you. The book is a training manual, and there's training in there that will teach you how not to be the sons of Sceva and get beat up by demons. It will give you the tools for you to be recognized by them because they'll know that you're exercising the authority that is given to you through Christ. You need to get this book. Okay, I am back. 
And let's see here. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Thus says the Lord, I brought this people out of bondage, and I gave them commandments through my servants, the prophets, but they would not listen to them, and they made my counsels void. They're not listening. I wrote a song about it. Why won't you listen? It's under Mesquite Cafe, the project that I do the music under. You can find it anywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Napster, Deezer. I don't know. Everywhere you can find it. It's called Why Won't You Listen by Mesquite Cafe. It's even on YouTube. Listen to it. Listen to those words. Because that's what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. That's what God's talking about. I wrote the song in behalf. That's what God's talking about. They won't listen. He's knocking on the door. He won't listen. I gave them commandments through my servants, the prophets. They won't listen to them. They made the counsels void. The mother who bore them says to them, go, my children, because I am a widow and forsaken. I brought you up with gladness. With my mourning and sorrow, I have lost you because you have sinned before the Lord God and have done what is evil in my sight. But now what can I do for you? For I am a widow and forsaken. Go, my children, and ask for mercy from the Lord. I call upon you, Father, as a witness, in addition to the mother of the children, because they would not keep my covenant, that you may bring confusion upon them and bring their mother to ruin so that they may have no offspring. Let them be scattered among the nations. Let their names be blotted out from the earth because they have despised my covenant. Woe to you, Assyria, who conceal the unrighteous in your midst. O wicked nation, remember what I did to Sodom and Gomorrah, whose land lies in lumps of pitch and heaps of ashes. So will I do to those who have not listened to me, says the Lord Almighty. Thus says the Lord to Ezra, Tell my people that I will give them the kingdom of Jerusalem, which I was going to give to Israel. Not going to give it to Israel. He's going to give it to his other people. That's when he took it to the Gentiles. Now we're all Israel. We're all grafted in. Gentile, Jew, barbarian, Greek, Mexican, you name it. Race has nothing to do with it. Moreover, I will take back to myself their glory. I will give to these others the everlasting habitations. You know what those are? Those are the dwelling places in heaven. You know, some call them mansions. I think the King James translates it mansions. But these are the places that Christ goes to prepare for us. If he told you so, if it wasn't not true, he would have told you so, right? So he's going to give to us these others, right, the everlasting habitations, which I had prepared for Israel. That was the nation of Israel. The tree of life shall give them fragrant perfume, and they shall neither toil nor become weary. Isn't that going to be nice? Ask, and you will receive. Pray that your days may be few, that they may be shortened. The kingdom is already prepared for you. Watch. Call, O call, O heaven and earth to witness, for I left out evil and created good. Because I live, says the Lord, mother, 
Embrace your sons. Bring them up with gladness as does the dove. Establish their feet because I have chosen you, says the Lord. He's talking to us, folks. And listen to this, verse 16. And I will raise up the dead from their places. That's resurrection, is it not? Resurrection is not a New Testament teaching. It's God teaching. It did exist in the ancient Jewish worldview. God says, and I will raise up the dead from their places and I will bring them out of their tombs because I recognize my name in them. Man, what does that remind you of? You know, when you're sealed, the book of Revelation, you're sealed into forehead with the name of God. It's not the mark of the beast, it's the name of God. It's not of the world. Verse 17, do not fear, mother of sons, for I have chosen you, says the Lord. I will send you help, my servants, Isaiah and Jeremiah. According to their counsel, I have consecrated and prepared for you 12 trees loaded with various fruits and the same number of springs flowing with milk and honey and seven mighty mountains on which roses and lilies grow. By these I will fill your children with joy. Guard the rights of the widow. Secure justice for the fatherless. Give to the needy. Defend the orphan. Clothe the naked. Care for the injured and the weak. Do not ridicule a lame man. Protect the maimed and let the blind man have a vision of my splendor. Well, it sounds like the Beatitudes, doesn't it? It matters. It does matter how we treat people, how if we have the, the fruit of the Spirit or not. It matters to God. Verse 22, he says, protect the old and the young within your walls. When you find any who are dead, commit them to the grave and mark it, and I will give you the first place in my resurrection. Pause and be quiet, my people, because your rest will come. Good nurse, nourish your sons and strengthen their feet. Not one of the servants whom I have given you will perish, for I will require them from among your neighbor. Do not be anxious, for when the day of tribulation and anguish comes, others shall weep and be sorrowful, but you shall rejoice and have abundance." This is super important to get in our spirit. Do not be anxious for when the day of tribulation and anguish comes, others shall weep and be sorrowful, but you shall rejoice and have abundance. God will sustain you. Okay, so you need to be under that umbrella. We all need to be under the umbrella of God's obedience and his covenant because the day of tribulation, in case you haven't noticed, is here. And um, there's a lot of people weeping <laughs> and very sorrowful right now. We don't want to be one of them. Verse 28, the nations shall envy you, but they shall not be able to do anything against you. My hands will cover you that your sons may not see Gehenna. He will go to hell. Rejoice, O mother, with your sons, because I will deliver you, says the Lord. Remember your sons that sleep. 
because I will bring them out of the hiding places of the earth and I will show mercy to them for I am merciful, says the Lord Almighty. It's going to resurrect the dead. Verse 32, embrace your children until I come and proclaim mercy to them because my springs run over and my grace will not fail. I, Ezra, received a command from the Lord on Mount Horeb to go to Israel. When I came to them, they rejected me and refused the Lord's commandment. Wow. What a sentence. You have a prophet of God who received a command from God to go to Israel, but when he went there, they rejected him and they refused to hear God's commandments. Those people, we don't want to be the ones who refuse to hear, refuse to listen. Let's not be that guy, right? Verse 34, therefore I say to you, O nations, that hear and understand. That's us, hopefully, right? That's us. Hopefully we hear and understand. This is what God's telling us, if we hear and understand. He says, await your shepherd. He will give you everlasting rest. Because he who will come at the end of the age is close at hand. Be ready for the rewards of the kingdom. Because the eternal light will shine upon you forevermore. Written, this is written 400 years before Christ. Is that amazing? He's telling us, await our shepherd. He's going to give us everlasting rest. He's going to come at the close of the age. It's close at hand. A day to the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years a day to the Lord. You know that. Verse 35, he says, or verse 36, he says, flee from the shadow of this age. The world, folks, flee from the shadow. It's just a shadow. It's a brief illusion. It's a matrix. It's an illusion created by the fallen ones. It's their false world. We're in a prison planet. It's a shadow. He's telling us, flee the shadow. Receive the joy of your glory. That's that's what's up. That's our eternal life. That's that's our real life. We're gonna go back home. It's time to go back home, right? It's time. It's over. I publicly call on my Savior to witness. Receive what the Lord has entrusted to you and be joyful, giving thanks to Him who has called you to heavenly kingdoms. Rise and stand and see. At the feast of the Lord, the number of those who have been sealed, those who have departed from the shadow of this age, have received glorious garments from the Lord. Take again your full number, O Zion, and conclude the list of your people who are clothed in white, who have fulfilled the law of the Lord. The number of your children whom you desired is full. Beseech the Lord's power that your people who have been called from the beginning may be made holy. I, Ezra, saw on Mount Zion a great multitude which I could not number, and they were all praising the Lord with songs. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like the scene in the book of Revelation. Let's take a look at that. Let's look at... 
Let's look at Revelation. Um, ba ba ba. Revelation three, verse five, six. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Right? These are this is the you know, white white garments. Um, Jesus also, let's see, right here, he says um, in Revelation 4, 4, it says that around the throne were 24 thrones, and around the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. We also know that there was a great multitude that was seen in Revelation. And we, you know, we go back and, and we see that in verse 42, it says, I, Ezra, saw on Mount Zion a great multitude, which I got not number, and they were all praising the Lord with songs. <coughs> Excuse me. This is the song of Moses, you know, that they were singing. Let's talk about in Revelation, right? These are the people that fled from the shadow of the age, right? They overcame. You know, they're giving thanks to the Lord. They, they, they rise and stand at the, at the feast. They're, they're innumerable here, right? They're innumerable. They have departed from the shadow of the age, and they receive these glorious garments from the Lord. You know, that's where he goes. He says, take the full number. There's, there's all these people who have been called from the beginning may be made holy. So if we look at Revelation Chapter 7, verse 9, and it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation. Right? Not Israel. Not a nation of Israel. They're people from every nation. And all tribes, and all peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And guess what? They're clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And verse 10 says, And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and all around the elders and the four living creatures. And they all fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing to glory, wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And in the book of Revelation, you know, it says after these things, it's talking about this, this, this tribulation. Not this one great tribulation, but the tribulation that we live in, in this prison planet, this shadow of the age. You see that? So here's this ancient book written 400 years before Christ, well before the book of Revelation was written whether you believe it was written before A.D. or after 70 A.D., um, that, says the, that's, that says the same thing. John's vision of heaven and what he was told matches this ancient Jewish book to the T. And it's not coincidence. See, that's why I keep telling it. There's stuff to be mined in here. There's, there's good stuff. You know, there's, there's, I don't know, million books written on the book of Revelation. There's millions of commentaries. 
you know, there's millions of people out there throughout the ages who thought they had the answer to the book of Revelation and what it means and all this stuff. And as you get more, more mature in God, you realize you cannot decipher the book of Revelation without understanding the Old Testament. But even as you get deeper in maturity, you, you, you realize you can't decipher the book of Revelation without these ancient texts. You see, if you don't look, you know, no one's ever taught you or preached out of, you know, fourth Ezra, <laughs> you don't know that this is in context with exactly what was written in the book of Revelation hundreds of years later. It's saying the same thing. It's talking about the end of the age. People are resurrected. They're, they're, they're brought up and sealed. And it, it's clear that the people who receive the glorious garments are those who flee from the shadow of the age. From the world, the book of Revelation says those who overcome. You see what I'm saying? And Ezra saw it. He saw in Mount Zion a great multitude. He saw it in, in the heavenly Zion. He couldn't number it. And they're all praising the Lord with the songs. So it's it's written in Revelation years, years, hundreds of years later. So it does behoove us to go and go back and look at these ancient texts that give light and substance and understanding to prophecy. Verse 43 says, In their midst was a young man. And now listen to this. Listen to this. In their midst was a young man of great stature taller than any of the others, and on the head of each of them, he placed a crown, but he was more exalted than they. And I was spellbound. And then I asked an angel, who, who are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said to me, these are they who have put off mortal clothing. You get it? These are they who put off mortal clothing. They're no longer mortal. They've left this flesh suit, this body. They've put off mortal clothing and have put on the immortal. Now they have eternal life. And they have confessed the name of God. Now they are being crowned and receive palms. Then I said to the angel, who is that young man? who places crowns on them and puts palms in their hands. And he answered and said to me, quote, he is the son of God whom they confessed in the world. So I began to praise those who had stood valiantly for the name of the Lord. Then the angel said to me, go tell my people how great and many are the wonders of the Lord God, which you have seen. Period. That's the end of chapter two. Dude, are you getting this? This is written, once again, it's written 400 years before the birth of Christ. Ezra sees Christ crowning the, the overcomers. He sees Christ putting on the immortal after the overcomers have put off the mortal clothing. They've been resurrected. They're out of their bodies. They're out of this, this, this prison planet, the body that's keeping them here. They're out of it. They've become eternal. They put on the immortal. They become like the angels in heaven now because they've confessed the name of God. You get it? 
and they're being crowned, and they receive palms, they receive rewards. And Ezra says, who is that young man who's taller than the rest of them? I mean, he's, he's of greater stature. Who is this guy? He's crowning them, giving them rewards. 400 years before Christ, he answered and said to me, he is the son of God whom they confessed in the world. And Ezra says, I begin to praise those who had stood valiantly for the name of the Lord. There's no cowards in the kingdom of God. Do you, do you understand do you understand how this is the book of Revelation? Let's look at some of this. Now listen to this. This is from the words of our Messiah. This is Matthew 10, 31 to 37, I believe. Yep. Now listen to this. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Right? Goes right with Ezra. Goes right with Ezra. They are being crowned, receive palms, because they confessed the Son of God in the world. That's what Ezra said 400 years before Messiah said it. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. This, when Christ said this, anybody, any faithful Jew would have heard the readings of Ezra. They would, he, they would have heard this. It would have rang familiar to them. They would have known what he was talking about, that Christ was tying in that future prophetic day that was shown to Ezra to himself, that he's the one, that he is that son of God that's above stature, that's crowning those who overcome, who flee the shadow of this age, and they confess him. He confesses them before the fathers in heaven. But listen to this. Verse 33 says, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. It works both ways. It's black and white. You get rewarded. You get immortality if you confess Christ in this age before men. If you deny Christ, he's gonna deny you who's in heaven. How do you confess Christ? You have to confess the real Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the most high God. You cannot confess the pseudo-Christ. You can't worship a Christ that, that, you can't worship the baby Jesus in a manger. That's not Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the most high God. That's a tradition, right? You, you understand what I'm saying? You can't worship the the phony pseudo hip hop worship Jesus, the purpose driven Jesus. You can't worship the homosexual Jesus. You can't worship the pseudo Jesus and then expect to be rewarded for confessing him because in fact you're denied him. You understand? Now listen, in relation to this in relation to what Christ just said, you confess me before men, I confess you. You deny me before men, I deny you, right? Verse 34 says, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. 
Jesus did not come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And it's all in relation. Here's what Christ says. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be members of his own household. Why would he say that in relation? Because you, if you confess Jesus Christ in this shadow age, you're going to have enemies right in your own household. Your dad may be against you or your son. Your daughter or your mother may be against you. Your mother-in-law or your son-in-law or daughter-in-law. Your own family, the members of your church, the member of your community, your household, your cousins will reject you but you have to confess the Lord Jesus Christ before men because you're not of this world. But if you go, if you go with the family, if you go with the idolatry and you go to please men and people rather than stick to the truth and you're going to please people because that's what they want to hear, that's what they want to believe, then you're a denier. And Christ says, I'm going to deny you before God. Now listen what he says in verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know why? Because it's idolatry. You're putting God before, you're putting, I'm sorry, you're putting these people, these humans before God. And in verse 38, he says, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. This is not the easy peasy road, folks. This isn't the Hillsong hip hop worship with the naked cowboy pastor. This is not that. This is real. In verse 39, Jesus says that he who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Folks, I implore you, implore you to lose your life here. Lose it for his sake. Lose your family if you have to. If they reject you because of your stand for the truth, then walk away if you have to. But get on the bus for eternal life. Confess Christ before men. Christ didn't come so everybody could be easy peasy, holding hands, singing kumbaya. He says... I did not come to do that. I came to bring a sword, a division. Because he's a rock that people will stumble on and they will not like you for telling the truth. They will not give you likes on Facebook for telling the truth. You may be demonetized on YouTube for telling the truth. Blog Talk Radio may not allow you to do commercials anymore because you told the truth. Facebook may sanction you because you told the truth. But it's hard when they're your family members. They're hard when they're your friends and neighbors, people around you that may mock you and scorn you for telling the truth. But the truth 
is that you're not of this world and you're fleeing the shadow of this age and that you have his name written on you and you confess the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone. To everyone. Yeah. Because Christ says, therefore do not fear them That's your family members, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. If God has revealed to you his cosmology in ancient scripture, whether science says that's true or not, whether your parents say that's true or not, whether your school taught you whether that was true or not, if God reveals to you his ancient cosmology, don't deny it. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Look for truth, folks. Yeah. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father in heaven. It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. So anyway, (laughs) that's the uh, ancient book of Ezra. And we're going to go. We'll start chapter 3 next week, Lord willing. And it gets crazy. It gets into prophecy, like end-time prophecy. And like I said before, some of this... Stuff that is written, you know, I read and I'm like, I don't know what that is or I don't know what that would look like or what exactly he's talking about. But I'll tell you, you know, when you get to that point and you'll see it too, you'll go, I don't know. But you cannot deny the other very uh, riches that are contained in here as it applies to New Testament prophecy. And, uh, you know, the end times and living for Christ because that's what it's all about. Passing this probation and getting out of here, believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's all about. So uh, we'll see you next week, God uh, willing. And uh, I'll play Why Don't You Look Into Jesus at the end. And uh, if you like that song, it's available at all digital retailers for download or streaming. If you belong to Spotify, um, if you remember, go to Mesquite Cafe and like it or fan it or whatever. Uh, it'd be nice if, if people could hear hear this stuff. So we're trying the best we can. But we live in a fallen world that doesn't like this kind of message. So um, it's, kind of, it's up to the rest of us to kind of spread it. So I'm asking you to spread it if you can. All right. Good night. We'll talk to you later.
is a thrill You knew tomorrow would be better still Things have changed, you're much older now If you're unhappy and you don't know how Why don't you look in?